Welcome to the Talking the Line podcast, presented to you by Talking the Line Sports Media, giving you our best insights and analysis so you can rake in some cold hard cash on your next sports bet. Now sit on back, open up your mind, and let's cash some tickets. We can't thank you enough for joining us. We hope you enjoy. afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen degenerates gamblers indianapolis colts fans fans of the nfl shield everybody in between far and wide welcome in to episode number 103 of the talking the line podcast and as always thank you so much for taking a few moments out of your day to come and kick it with the crew on this beautiful monday August 16th, 2021. Now, before we dive into the Indianapolis Colts season preview, I know you saw the title. I won't waste much time, but please take a few moments to smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you are currently ingesting the TTL pod on. If you are watching on YouTube, you might as well hit that notification bell as well so you never miss the start of a live show or any additional TTL content dropping. Also, if you got an extra second, you can find it in your heart to be so kind. Please hit that like button, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, hop in the live chat. If you are watching live, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it when you do, and it only helps us make TTL Sports Media bigger and better for each and every one of you. Last but certainly not least, head on over to this episode's description where you will locate the Talk in the Line link tree. Within that link tree, you will locate the TalkingTheLine.com website all of the TTL crew social platforms and our additional content so you can consume that however and whenever you please. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful gambling people, everybody in between that doesn't uh, or hasn't joined us on a show before, welcome back to the Talk in the Line podcast. I am your humble host, Colton, Colt45 Soroka, and once again, thank you so much for choosing to stop by the TTL pod, hang out with me and my partner today, listen to some Colts banter, information, analysis, insights, everything in between. We got plenty to talk about, and let me bring in that aforementioned partner. He is a White Sox fan at heart. His boys look to be in a very good spot headed in to the final few weeks of the MLB season. He is getting more than charged up and was excited to see Jordan Love on the field for the first time this weekend in his Green Bay Gold and green maybe yellow either way you know the deal outside of that ladies and gentlemen you can see he's excited he's ready to talk some football so let's bring him on in the man the myth the degenerate gambling legend himself mr riley r mags magnuson partner 
How you doing over there today, pal? My man, the green and gold is uh, flying pretty well over in the Magnuson household, but uh, I'm excited, man. We got another fresh Monday with a uh, solid team to talk about, unlike a couple of the teams that uh, we talked about last week, but still had a lot of fun talking about those teams. But I'm even more excited to talk about this team today because there's a lot of variables coming down with this team, and uh, you know, I think we've got a lot of opinions both sides here. I do believe you are correct on that, yes, my friend. Uh, ended the week with the Texans last uh, last week. Ugh, just uh, not fun to talk about. But in this regard, going to be a lot of question marks, a lot of stuff we got to answer for the Colts and uh, give you our hot takes and opinions on. Because obviously we know we'll talk about it a little later, but uh, big injury for Carson Wentz, sure huge injury for Quiddy Pay. Those are going to be some uh, big, big, big keys to uh, whether or not this Colts team has success early on this season. So we'll be sure to cover all of that. Uh, but yeah, solid weekend overall, partner. I know you uh, had that little wedding action you, were, sure did. you went through up to Lake Geneva we talked about. Oh, solid up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. As always. As always. Love to hear that. Myself, just, uh, you know, got things back in order. Let the, uh, let the body reset, if mm-hmm. you will. And, uh, you know. Got, uh, as I always say, do something that your future self would thank you for. And uh, definitely check the boxes on that this weekend. So, there you go. on today's show, my friends, we have plenty coming at you. But first things first, one more time, today's team of the day, the Indianapolis Colts. Now, as always, we'll be having the usual four segments today. We got the full team breakdown, offense, defense, and the overall outlook from the both of us. We'll take a look at their coaching staff as well. Then we'll dive into the full schedule. We'll analyze that whole thing all 18 weeks or 17 playing weeks for them and kind of give you our predictions as far as their division games, their eight main games outside of that, and then the three remaining games. We'll also dive into a full season betting preview because you know this is a daily sports gambling show and we will be cashing gridiron tickets before you know it, my friends. So we'll dive deep into that and we'll also talk some fantasy in our segment we have dubbed Start, Stash, or Pass. Plenty to talk about in relation to the Colts today. I'm sure we'll squeak in some additional NFL banter and nonsense here and there, as we always do. Then we'll wrap things up. Our mag sidebar, sure he'll have some solid uh, information that we all need to know about the Colts. We'll uh, wrap it up a little additional banter and my motivation minutes for the day. Message today is on making today the day that you decide to pull the trigger. I'll let your mind spin on that for a little while, but stick around to the end of the show if you need a little extra inspiration and motivation on this Monday. Gets you jump-started and ready for a beautiful week ahead. But for now, let's get things started with the first segment of the day. Make sure everything's rocking and rolling. It sure is. Producer Colt is now gone. It is Host Colt live on the show. First segment of the day, as has become uh, a custom here on the TTL Pod NFL Special Editions, the full team breakdown. Indianapolis Colts, uh, first thing we will start with is the offensive side of the ball. Then we'll work into the defense and the coaching staff. First thing we will do, as always, talk about the key losses and additions offensively for the Colts going into 2021. 
Nothing crazy as far as uh, losses here for the Colts. I'll kick things off on that end of the spectrum. They did let Anthony Costanzo go. Actually, didn't let him go. He did retire from the NFL. Uh, shout out to Anthony. He is uh, was actually born and played high school football just about 10 minutes away sure from the uh, TTL production studio. So shout out big man Costanzo. Awesome career. We would have loved to see you play again, but hey. Shout out. Big career for Costanzo. Uh, they let two quarterbacks go this year, uh, Philip River, Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, obviously, both of those guys, uh, Rivers being the one that retired and then Brissett going to Miami. Brissett obviously has had better years here and there, but he did find a little bit of success last year with Reich and or two years ago with Reich when um, old Andrew Luck went out early. Right. So nothing bad to write home about that, but they obviously... Uh, told them to pack their bags and hit the road, and then obviously Rivers retired. Then LaRaven Clark, right tackle. He's out of town. Chaz Green, also right tackle. And then Trey Burton, former Philadelphia Eagle and Chicago Bear, now former Colt. He has hit the road, and I do not know if a team has picked him up yet offhand, but yeah, we ain't sure talking either. about him yet. Uh, as you can kind of see, no major receiving losses, but as my partner will tell you, they really didn't pick up anybody. So they're banking heavily on the guys that they've had mm -hmm. for the last few seasons. We'll talk all about that here in a minute, but partner, if you could be so kind, hit us with those offensive additions going into 2021. All righty. Well, you mentioned Jacoby Brissett hitting the road. Might be nice to have this time of the year with old Carson Wentz, their new addition, uh, who was presumably, excuse me, presumably the starter uh, is going to be out potentially. Potentially for a few weeks, maybe not, maybe he could be ready to go, but Jacoby Brissett might be nice to have backing him up in this case. Uh, but the big thing as far as the offensive additions are concerned is really offensive line depth. Uh, the one starter that they did add is Eric Fisher on the left side. He could be starting the season on the injured list, however, so it is a little bit of a question as to when we are going to see him. When we do see him, he should help a lot. Aside from that, as I mentioned, is they had a lot of offensive line depth. You have Sam Tevy on the left side, Chris Reed, and Julian Davenport. All of these guys should be uh, the number two or three spots there on the left tackle or left guard side. And then as far as the draft, they did not do anything top three picks as far as the offensive side of the ball. Fourth round, they picked up Kylan Granson, tight end out of SMU. Uh, Sam Ellinger, sixth round QB out of Texas. Uh, looked We're back. Texas is back. I don't know. I actually didn't see him the other day, but I did know he put some time in in their preseason game week one. He was slinging the rock. That's kind of what I saw, but I uh, just didn't see that game. Uh, Mike Strachan, Strachan uh, wide receiver, seventh round, and then Will Freeze, offensive guard, seventh round out of Penn State. Actually, the only reason I know this is because of Good Morning Football the other day. Yeah. It's actually Michael Strachan. Strachan. They were talking huh. about... Uh, what a what a freaking last name with Michael Strahan yes, having the career he had, but Mike it is Strakehan. Mike Strahan okay. is who that is, uh, wide receiver. So uh, hey, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Six foot five is the young man. Alrighty. Maybe he has a little bit of workability into the Colts offense this year. The Michael Strahan of receivers, maybe. Quite potentially. Out of the seventh round, who knows? The jury is out, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We you heard see it. right away. You heard it here first. Nonetheless, let's get into some key 2020 numbers before we dive into all of the 2021 outlook here for the Colts. Now, on offense, the Colts averaged 5.9 yards per play last year. They rushed the ball on 44.13% of their plays and passed on 55.87%. 
Completion percentage across the board, mainly being Phil Riv, uh, was 66.56%. On third downs, they converted at a 40.65 clip. And in the red zone, they converted at 56.92%. So obviously those third downs and the red zone needs to improve here. I think that that was just a little bit of mediocre quarterback play. I don't by any means want to say that Phillip Rivers is a mediocre quarterback, but He'd seen better years when he came into Indianapolis and, uh, you know, they, they squeaked out a few wins here or there, but we saw a lot more slip away than not. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I was really surprised to know that the Indianapolis Colts over the last three seasons are in the top five teams with first half leads yep. at 29. Very, very doggone surprising to, to see that and see the record that they have year over year so far. So we'll see. Looking into 2021, are they going to improve upon that? Are they going to be able to build those halftime leads and hold them securely? Right. I don't know. Jury's still out. Now, getting into the offensive side of the ball, they have a uh, solid offensive line. Uh, Smith, Glowinski, Nelson, Kelly, and then Fisher is going to be the uh, new left tackle, if you will, replacing um, Anthony Costanzo. Mm -hmm. Solid offensive line. It's going to need to be solid to be able to protect sure Carson is. Wentz and give him a clean pocket. Now, that is when Carson Wentz comes back. We don't know if that's going to be by the start of the season or if it's going to be a few weeks into the season. It's looking more and more by the day that it's going to be a few weeks into the season. Right. So we'll see if Ellinger gets the start or Eason gets the start. It's kind of up in the air right now in Indianapolis. Hopefully they don't have to worry about that question. It's it's real scary, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth here in a second. Uh, in the running back room, you got Jonathan Taylor looks like he's going to be the clear number one back and mm -hmm. i think that is well deserving here in his sophomore season marlon mack behind him they also have uh behind those two guys naheem hines naheem hines who uh did have a pretty solid season last year and then also jordan wilkins yep. who uh in yesterday's preseason game wilkins lit it up he was hey. having a okay. uh, pretty solid game he was actually uh the guy that got the taunting penalty uh ah, if you okay, saw okay. that yep. yeah yep, yep, bulldozed yep. about 50 guys sure. and then uh popped up gave a nice little flex yeah, and got 15 yards <laughs> on top of that so i don't think we need to get on our soapbox about that quite yet here's my soapbox okay fuck the nfl yeah, for taunting for, penalties no fun and league no fun league at all let's continue uh <laughs> with that being Perfect. said the uh <laughs> the tight end room looks like jack doyle is going to be number one overall here again this year they also have mo ali cox coming back so we'll see what kind of goes on there as far as competition wise obviously the tight end room in indianapolis hasn't been one at least from a fantasy perspective kind of from a general football perspective that isn't one you really need to write home about right. or it's kind of a question mark as to who's actually going to get the receptions out of the backfield and the touchdowns uh in that's in that position sure. from week to week and then last but certainly not least wide receiver position after uh being hurt last year comes back paris campbell looked uh pretty good yesterday showed some flashes in the preseason game they also brought back michael pittman Obviously, in his second year, I think we uh, see some good stuff. The uh, USC product from him in his second season. Then, obviously, T-Y-T-Y -T -Y coming back. Finally got his extension signed by the old horseshoes. And he'll be coming back in. Then they got Zach Paschal uh, backing them up. And then Patman uh, backing all those guys up. So, not the strongest wide receiver room in the league. Uh, obviously, you hate to say that with any team that has T.Y. Hilton as their number right. one uh, back. Back a while ago, uh, T.Y. Hilton would put up those those yards, and now 
I'm not saying he's bad by any means. I'm just uh, the role that he is in now and how long he's been in the leagues. Defenses know how to play him. Right. And he's more of a decoy now at this time in his Fair. in his career. And it sucks for him because he used to put up those 20, sure 30, did. 40 fantasy point days. I mean, I think he still has some fantasy value, but you definitely need to temper expectations until further notice, mm-hmm. until we see something from him. Now, before I kick it over to you, partner, my thoughts in general for this offense, it's all going to come down to Carson Wentz okay. when he's back. Um, I think this backfield will have plenty of success. They had plenty of success last year under Reich and for the last three seasons. I don't think there's going to be any issue there. Jonathan Taylor, no sophomore slump in my mind. Uh, the wide receiver room, I think we see improvement there. Um, there's a few question marks. I hope Campbell can stay healthy. I hope Pittman can stay healthy. Hope T.Y. can stay healthy, too. Yeah, if they can stay healthy, sure. I think we see some improvement. And then it just all comes back to Wentz for me. Do we see what we have the last few years in Philadelphia, or is it going to be a complete rejuvenation like we saw in 2017 with the Philly-Philly Super Bowl run? I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't call it either way right now. I got to see at least week one, two, and three. But then again, I don't even know if that's going to tell me anything because as we'll get into in the schedule breakdown, they have one of the hardest starts to the season out of any team. So I really don't know in my mind. It all circles back to Carson Wentz, Mm -hmm. and it's not good when everything that the the main point that things are circling to is the biggest question mark. Right. That's my thoughts, partner. Where are you at before we uh, rock and roll on over to the defensive side of the ball? You know, as far as Wentz is concerned, I'll kind of start there and work backwards uh, compared to what you did there. As far as Wentz is concerned, I had a lot of confidence when they initially made the move, and honestly, by the day, and obviously with the injury, it was tenfold. I've kind of lost that confidence day in and day out. And I don't know if it's, you know, just kind of buying back into and kind of rewatching some of the stuff we saw from him in Philly. But also, I kind of mentioned with Fisher, and obviously now with Quentin Nelson, this offensive line, who which is un- undoubtedly one of the strengths of this team, I don't know how healthy they're going to be, uh, especially now at the beginning of the season. Uh, and then as, as we get into the rest of the schedule, it gets a little easier. So I think they might have a nice chance if they do start off slow to bounce back. But, you know, another part of the question for me is this receiver room. You mentioned it for sure. Um, this was the one room that people wanted them to upgrade, and they did absolutely nothing. And I have to feel like that part of that reason is that they have a lot of confidence in either Pittman or Campbell to be a breakout because, you know, I'm I'm higher on Pittman than I am on Campbell. Campbell might be a guy that could be an injury bug guy. I'm not sure because he's kind of had that through his first two seasons, whereas sure. Pittman... He played 78% of their snaps last year. He was there almost every single game, almost every single play, and he just really didn't break out. He's six foot four. Uh, they used him in short short yardage situations, so I think he could be more of a red zone target this year than he was last year. And I don't know that he breaks out into being, you know, the clear number one in this room, but I think he breaks out into being somewhat service, uh, definitely serviceable. Sure. If not, kind of knocking on the door of taking that number one spot. So I've got a lot of confidence in him. But then, as I mentioned, you know that offensive line, the health, I'm a little, little concerned with. Um, and then I don't even have to talk too much about the running back, running back room. It's, it's undoubtedly solid, deep as all hell. Even if some something happens to one or two of these guys, they've got two other guys. So yeah, uh, yeah, I like this offense. I don't love it. Um, but then, as you mentioned, you know the elephant in the room is just quarterback play, and if we can get it, then this team could be really damn good. One hundred and fifty percent, and yeah, we're definitely on the same page as far as the running back room goes. And then, you know, 
your thoughts on the offensive line? I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit on the opposite side of the card on that, if okay. you will. Um, they've been one of the most injured offensive lines season over season uh, for the last about five years mm-hmm. now, and I think we finally see some improvement upon that here. Okay. Uh, they're a little bit younger now. They're a little bit. Um, a little bit healed up, if you will. I, I kind of looked a little bit more in depth, and I think that uh, they definitely see some improvement there. Yeah. And then much like you, I'm glad you mentioned that. It was a toss-up for me between who's going to break out, Campbell, Pittman, and we'll talk about it from fantasy as well. Uh, but Pittman would definitely be the one that I would lean to. I had him on my fantasy roster last year for the entire season. Uh, Plug-and-play guy here and there, but I think we see some definite improvement yeah. from him. Like I said, at USC, he was a monster. So I right. think... Uh, no sophomore slump once again here for another guy on this uh, Indianapolis Colts offense. To put a cherry on top of the offense, the rankings, courtesy of SFA, guys over there ranked this quarterback room as the 25th ranked unit in the league. Obviously now it might even be worse uh, with the question mark how fast Carson Wentz comes back and then what do we actually see from Carson Wentz once he is full go. Then you have uh, Eason and uh, Ellinger. Not really sure what we see from either of those two guys no. in the NFL yet. They were both slinging the ball around the yard yesterday, but hey, that's preseason week one. Mm-hmm. Offensive line ranked pretty high. Yep. Eighth in the league. Definitely possible to crack the top five in my mind if they can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That's both on our opinions as well. Running back room, just as high as we are, fifth in the league. I think that they could definitely crack the top three. Sure. Uh, Jonathan Taylor just needs to show a little bit of improvement uh, and a few few minor areas, really nothing major at all. He showed flashes in the passing game, in between the tackles, outside of the tackles. There's no question in my mind with him, and the depth is solid, yeah. solid, solid. This receiver room does leave a little bit to be desired per the guys over at SFA, 27th-ranked unit in the league. Now, obviously, they can improve upon that number severely, right. but with them not making any moves and this being exactly the offensive wide receiver core we saw last year, it's hard to not believe that we don't see the exact same production. Mm-hmm. But as me and Riley both think, improvement in some of those guys in the room for right. sure. I think someone's breaking out. I would have to agree Someone. With you. If it ain't Pittman, it could be Campbell. Could be Campbell or maybe, hey, T.Y. comes on back sure. from a sure. couple, I don't want to even say down seasons, but... He gets could, back. You could say down. Seasons. He gets back to the down TY seasons. that we've yeah. all known about. So there you go, offensive side of the ball. We'll talk about it even more in depth once we get to the fourth and final segment of the day. Start stash or pass. All of our best fantasy advice. But let's rock on over to the defensive side of the ball, my friends. And this time, Riley's going to kick things off with the defensive losses going into 2021. Partner, let us have it. Alrighty, so this defense lost a few more guys than you might expect. Nobody major, nobody that you're going to be, uh, you know, walking home crying about. But, uh, you know, some guys that are solid depth pieces and even started a handful of games for this Colts team last year. Anthony Walker Jr., linebacker, started all 16 games for this team. Uh, he is on his way out. He is in Cleveland now. Danico Audrey off the edge, started 13 games. He had seven and a half sacks last year. Uh, Justin Houston, also off the edge, started 16 games. He had eight sacks last year. Uh, so three guys on the defense that started and played and made a solid impact for this team are on their way out. But as we've seen from this team, and as my partner will mention, uh, you know, they have a lot of trust in their in their roster and their uh, talent development. So, you know, seems to be that they are not too concerned about these losses. Other deeper depth guys, but guys that played a lot of time last year, George Odom, uh, safety position, played 16 games. Tavon Wilson, also safety, 15 games. And then Tremont Smith uh, at the defensive back position played at 10 games, did not start. However, 
Herbert, like I said, a handful of guys that ate up a lot of minutes, played some decent minutes for this team. But, uh, you know, they did add a few guys, partner. What do we got here? In my opinion, they were able to backfill those holes plenty fine. And as you mentioned, their talent development is right. next level. And then they also have Chris Ballard in the front office, GM. Ballard is one of the best GMs in the league, in uh -huh. my opinion. Uh, he's able to pull out little trades or little free agency moves just when everybody least expect it. And right. it's like, that's the move the Colts needed to make. Yep. Uh, they did bring in Isaac Rochelle, interior defensive lineman, uh, Sean Davis, safety, Malik Jefferson, linebacker, and Andrew Brown, interior defensive lineman. Now in the draft, obviously everybody knows the steal they got. Quiddy Pay was an absolute monster in his last year in Michigan. I uh, think that he is going to have a very solid year. He's obviously uh, up there on the rankings for defensive rookie of the year. We've already talked about that a few times on the show. But he also has that foot injury now, too. He got the same 5-12 to 12 week diagnosis. That's been, what, three weeks now, two weeks now? For the other two guys on this team? Well, no, just since the Carson Wentz right, right, right. That's what I mean. yeah, injury yeah. has happened. It's been about two weeks now, I would say. So anywhere in there, we'll, we'll see if these guys make the start of the NFL mm -hmm. regular season. I'm not sure if they will or not, but they definitely will be on the roster at some point in time. Uh, they also picked up out of Vanderbilt defensive end Dio. Dio Odedigbo. Uh, he is also a game wrecker on the outside. And then Sean Davis, safety out of Florida. So we're pretty defensive focused on, uh, or defensive focused in the draft, rather. And it uh, looks like that's kind of what is going to be their focus here again this year. It looks like they're going to try and hang their hats on the defensive side of the ball as well as that running game. So uh, we'll dive deep into the defensive uh, side of things here. Now, before we do. Some key 2020 numbers defensively for the Colts before we get into that full outlook. On defense, they allowed opponents to average about 5.4 yards per play. Opponents completed their passes at 66.16%. On third down, opponents converted at a 41.51% clip. And in the red zone, opponents converted at a 62.96% clip. So overall, not terrible. This was obviously one of the better defenses in the league last year. They obviously have some guys that we'll talk about here in a minute that are some of the top guys at their position in the league. So I think we see a very similar performance to last season. Uh, but before I give you all of my thoughts in general, let's talk just a quick bit about this starting lineup or what appears to be will be on week one. Uh, they got Trey uh, on one side and then Quiddy Pay on the other. I'm not sure who's going to be starting uh, in place of Quiddy Pay for the time being. DeForest Buckner, big scoop uh, last year for them or two years ago now. Uh, he is an absolute game wrecker on the inside. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody knows his name in the league, no question. And then uh, opposite him, Lewis, uh, interior defensive lineman as well. Then they have uh, Okariki. That's uh Billy or Bobby, uh, Bobby Okariki, Bobby Okariki uh, obviously another solid linebacker for them. Uh, Darius Leonard going to be another huge season for him, in my opinion. This front seven, in my mind, is dominant as all hell, and I think that they show it this year. Their cornerbacks, secondary defensive backs, if you thought I just said quarterback, I said cornerback, <laughs> defensive back, secondary uh, Xavier Rhodes, Kenny Moore, and then Rock Yasin, all three guys just absolutely shut down corners of the best of the three, obviously being Rhodes. He was dominant as all hell last year, and I think we see that from him once again here this year. 
And then last but certainly not least, the deep ball boys. You got Willis and Blackman. Not the best seasons out of those two guys. Last year, the deep ball was a little bit of the downfall for the Colts, but I think they clean that up here going into 2021. Now under the instruction of Marcus Brady. Or no, I'm sorry. Still under the instruction of Matt Eberflus. Yeah, yeah. Wrong side of the ball. <laughs> Wrong side of the ball. Marcus Brady is offensive coordinator now. See, still learning. Uh, everybody, he is a new coach there, Marcus Brady. But Matt Eberflus coming into his fourth season as well, right alongside Reich. And I think that they have plenty of success defensively. I think the key is going to be getting pressure with this front seven. Also being able to utilize Okariki and Leonard in those kind of pushback zone looks where they'll be able to be on the line and then float back and make big plays. I think that's going to be huge. I also think this secondary is going to have to be dominant, dominant, dominant again. I said it a little bit ago, but the start of the season for these guys is absolutely brutal. They face some of the best wide receiver rooms, in my opinion, in the league right now. Seattle, Rams, Titans, Ravens. Ravens, okay, a little bit of a question mark, but still, right there, that's going to be a lot on their shoulders mm -hmm. to limit these guys at the early start of the season. So I think that's going to be big. And then we're going to need to see some improvement in the deep secondary. They can't let the top get ripped off of the, their defense like they did last year. Or they're going to be in those shootouts again at, in the second half, and they're going to let a lot of those games slip away again. So mm -hmm. in my mind, that's the key for this defense. What are you thinking going into 2021, partner? Yeah, man, I really like this defense. It's on paper, you would look at it and say oh this is a pretty good defense but when they actually get there out there on the field it is such a cohesive unit that works so well together uh and obviously you have the big names with leonard and deforest buckner Definitely. but aside from that everyone really just knows what their job is you mentioned it the safeties are going to be the uh, unit that has to pick things up the most i mentioned george odom is out of town he is actually re-signed that was uh, my fault so he's still in the depth there but aside from that yeah you know i like these cornerbacks i don't love them but like i said this whole unit plays so damn well together uh leonard is going to be just rejuvenated after signing that big contract and okariki is a nice nice compliment for him on the other side there and you know adding uh the couple pieces they did on the interior i really like this depth you know we both mentioned it they just develop talent so damn well and the defensive side of the ball has really shown it the last few years and i don't know why we would see anything different this year but as you mentioned they do play a lot of teams that got some really scary weapons for them so i'm excited to see what this team does but i've got a lot of faith in them i'll be honest i have a lot of faith in them as well mm -hmm. I think they're more than capable to get the job done, but uh, they're going to have to play to their potential. Yep. Uh, wrapping things up here defensively, let's give you, ooh, excuse me, let's give you the key rankings defensively. Uh, front seven, or courtesy of the guys over at SFA, can't leave that part out. Front seven comes in ranked as the 15th unit in the league right now, secondary ranked as the 16th unit. And then, uh, as we will kind of segue into here, the, there you guys know all of the defense, all of the coaching staff. Talked about him a few times now. Frank Reich, head coach, coming in for his fourth official year. He's done some good things in Indianapolis. Needs to clean up the second half throwaways. Now, not as severe as the Atlanta Falcons, obviously, no, no, by no, any no. stretch, but still not getting some of those games done now they still obviously made it to the playoffs last year i think they still have the opportunity to do that but we're not talking about that we're talking about frank reich i think he's an excellent coach i think he's done wonders in indianapolis and i think we see another successful season because of him coming out of lucas oil stadium 
That all being said, flubbed up a little bit a minute ago, told you that the defensive coordinator was this guy, but he is the OC, Mm -hmm. Marcus Brady. He was the former quarterback coach here in Indianapolis, gave him a little bit of a promotion. Old Frank said, hey, sit on down at the table with me. I need you as my right-hand man. We need you calling plays. And then Matt Eberflus mentioned him just a little while ago, also coming in for his fourth official season. I think we only continue to see improvements from him as well as a D.C., I think across the board, this coaching staff is primed to have a huge season and mm-hmm. allow the horseshoes to have a huge season. I don't know what you're thinking, partner, but this has got to be one of my favorite coaching staffs in the league. And if they can yeah. put it together, it's going to be a fun season in Indiana. Sure is, man. I, I'm really high on Frank Reich. I mean, you mentioned it uh, the second half. Cleanups need to happen. But, you know, you mentioned earlier they're top five over the last few years as far as first half leads. The other teams on that list, Ravens, Chiefs, Saints, and Packers, to me that really just stands out as it's a dominant quarterback that you have to have to close out some of these games consistently in the same fashion that these other teams do. So once again, the elephant in the room is going to be who is playing quarterback and how well. I don't know. I can't answer either exactly. one. I have exactly. no idea right now. And, you know, I liked what I saw yesterday in the first preseason game from the Colts. They obviously came back, won it, courtesy of my former boy, Eddie Pinero, mm-hmm. uh, 21-18. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what we see from these guys. Well, really, it, it all comes back to the quarterback. It all comes back to who is going to be the quarterback and how is that quarterback going to perform. When will we see Carson Wentz? And how good is Carson Wentz going to be? I can't answer either yeah. one of those questions quite yet. Maybe by the end of the show, I might have a little <laughs> bit more insights. But right now, it is way too much of a question mark right. in my mind. Let's keep this show moving on down the road, ladies and gentlemen. Second segment of the day, the full schedule breakdown. All right. As always, excuse me. First things first. Let me dish out the entire schedule week by week for you guys. And then we will give you some of our predictions predictions projections where we see them landing how we think they'll do in 2021 against these opponents week one they are in indy against the seahawks and then in week two still at home at lucas oil against the rams then they go on the road back to back to back in week three four and five play the titans the dolphins and the ravens week six seven and eight they come back home in week six to play the texans so easy dub there in our mind but they go all the way to the bay area and play the 49ers in week seven and then come back home to play the titans again in week eight so they get the titans off of their schedule really early they play the jets in week nine in lucas oil and then welcome in to lucas oil once again the jags in week 10 so the first time they play uh the jags is week 10 then they play the bills in week 11 on the road in buffalo then they come back home to play the buccaneers and then in week 13 they go on the road to the texans so then they wipe out the texans off of their schedule so that leaves one more game against the jags by week is week 14 the week 15 finally after all of that nonsense they come back home to lucas oil stadium to play the new england patriots then week 16 and 17 16's on the road in arizona and then 17's at home in or at home against the las vegas raiders and then they close out their season on the road in jacksonville against duval trevor lawrence and the rest of that electrifying team. In my mind, it is going to be a brutal start to the season for Mm -hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. 
And we'll talk about it once we get into a little bit towards the end here of this second segment, the rest and prep inequalities. But the schedule makers didn't do the Colts any favors here either. We've been talking about it. We've said it half a dozen times now, but the start of this season is going to loom extremely large in the uh, Colts' long-term outlook if they want to try and make the playoffs. They have potential to go 0-5. They do. They have potential to go 0-5, especially with the three-game road streak. Mm -hmm. That is brutal. From week three to five, Titans, Dolphins, and Ravens. That, in my mind... I don't want to face that as an NFL team. I'm good. I, I let me give, give me anything else. I am good right. on that. So I don't know. In my mind, this is going to be a rough start. I mean, hell, through you pepper in a few, but through week 12, it is going to be an absolute brutal right. stretch outside of the Jets, the Jags, and the Texans. Everything else is going to be a shootout in my mind for the Colts. Yeah, no question, man. And not to mention, who know? I mean, optimistically, if their health works out and everyone's full go by week one, then. You know, I'll probably feel a lot more optimistic about these this team coming out of the gates, but I'm not super optimistic about that uh, health nope. opportunities coming in the first few weeks of the season. So for that reason, I think it's going to be a struggle coming out of the gate, man. And like you said, they've got some wins peppered in here and some easy teams that I think they can get themselves back on the right track. But it all comes down to are they going to have this giant 1-4, 0-5 type hole that they have to dig out if they don't have Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, uh, or Eric Fisher? You know, it's a big, big question mark, and I don't know how confident I am. I think that they're going to have have that hole if those guys aren't there and mm-hmm. aren't there to produce. So, yikes. Well, let's get into some predictions. All right. Uh, <laughs> as things are starting to kind of unravel not so great here as we talk about a little bit more first things first how the hell are they going to do in the division well the afc south doesn't look incredibly stacked but there was some serious line movement within the uh division yesterday Uh, if you didn't see posted that on our twitter page you can go check that out um the jags made a big move Mm -hmm. with uh trevor lawrence making his preseason debut and uh balling out for the most part took a couple of shots but for the most part looked really well in my mind, I do believe that the Jags find a way to get a victory against really? them. I think that they split. Um, what I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too early, but the Jags just look pretty doggone solid to me. They just looked like they'll be able to actually field a decent team this year. I don't know how high I am on it, but I think maybe to close out the season, they could be looking past them in week 18 and just a little, oh, hey, we're in Jacksonville, whatever, and shebang, we lost a game to lose or to close out our season. Or, hey, maybe we got that loss out of the way at least before we start the playoffs, you know, kind of that that thought. So one and one there, I think they get both against the Texans, and, and then I think... I think they split with the Titans. I think, I th- yeah, if they, yeah, they split with the Titans. So in my mind, geez, I don't really like that, but they only go two and four in the division. Uh, that would be the, no, you got oh, two I'm wins sorry. against four, the Texans. Four and two, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. I was leaving out the Texans there. I was leaving out the Texans <laughs> right, entirely. Duh. Uh, yeah, so four and two okay. uh, within the AFC South. I'm going uh, I'm going to crisp five and one. Ooh. I think this is the best opportunity for them to rack up wins. I think they split against the Titans. Uh, you know, having that week 
eight at home game against the Titans, I think is going to be one spot where they're going to need to try and dig out of a potential hole here. Don't have faith in them in, in Nashville in week three, but I think they'll have themselves straightened back out and healthy by week eight. So I'll give them that one. And then uh, I'm giving them two against the Texans easy. And then I'm going both against the Jags. I like what you're saying because I do think this Jags team is going to be competitive and scrappy. I just think this defense is going to be a tough matchup for Trevor Lawrence and the young offense over there. So I'm going uh, two wins. And, you know, I guess depending on where they're standing on at the end of the season, I feel like they're going to need that Week 18 game to potentially get themselves into the playoffs. Maybe it matters for the actual division uh, championship is concerned. So I'm going 5-1 and one out of the AFC South. All right. Well, you're uh, you're high on uh, high on these guys, but I uh, mean, we'll see. Like, like kind of like yeah, kind of like how you said. I mean, um, now or never for them right. in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. Four and two for me. Five and one for Max. Now, main eight games outside of the division. The first four are coming out of the AFC East. Hmm. I think they lose against the Bills mm-hmm. again. I don't. I think that's just going to be another uh, upsetting day uh, for them in that regard. I don't think they're going to get that playoff loss back. I think they get the win against the Jets. I don't. There's just so much. Another team question. drinking the Kool Aid on. I don't know, man. There's just so much question marks on the offensive side of the ball for this team. The Colts, for, for the Colts yeah. now, and it just it it you could very well see. Some of these teams getting it. I'll give them the victory over the Jets. I'll give them the victory over the Dolphins. Okay. I say they get the Dolphins, and then the Patriots is at home in Week 15 off of the bye, so I say they get the win there, too. Two and two in the AFC East, coming from yours truly. Okay. I am also going two and two, and it's a definitely not beating the Bills in Buffalo this time around once again. Sure. Definitely giving the win week nine at home against the Jets. Once again, I think they'll be straightened out by that point. And then I'm going to split between the Dolphins and Patriots. I'm not super confident in which one they're going to beat, but I think they do get one of them and lose the other one. You know, week four in Miami, we've mentioned it before, Miami's home field advantage is a little underrated. I agree. But, uh, you know, I also don't hate their matchup that they would have against the Patriots as far as roster matchups go. So I think one way or the other, I'm giving them two wins out of the AFC East. All right, so same page there. And then the remaining four, the NFC West. One and one and three. Okay. One and three for me. The only one they get is the Cardinals. Okay. That's the only one they get because the other, yeah, the other three are week one, week two, and then week seven against the 49ers. And then they get the Cardinals all the way in week 16. Now that is on the road in the desert. (laughs) I love it. Fuck me. It could be 0 and 4. So, gun to my head, one and three. They get the win against the Cardinals. Fuck me. I might see 0 and 4. I might see you on. You and I are as aligned as we've ever been on this fucking show, man. Because I am going to grant them one win because I find it hard to believe that they would go 0-4, but at the same time... It's the NFC West this year. It is the NFC West. ridiculous. I'm giving them a quick two losses out of the gates. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be fully healthy, and I I love the Rams. I don't know how I feel about the Seahawks, but given the Colts' health, um, I am going to give that one to the Seahawks. And then Week 7, it appears that the Niners have their bye week the week before if i'm looking at it correctly here so and it's in san francisco so i definitely don't like that one 
And so I'm, you know, reluctantly giving them one win out of this division. But I honestly don't love the matchup against the Cardinals. I could see I that being like a, I could be in a, see it being a shootout. And if Carson Wentz is healthy at that point, and if he's playing well, then sure. But otherwise, uh, I'm giving them one and three. But I'm, uh, you know, a little 38-35 Cardinal victory <laughs> yeah. in the desert. They Who go knows, up man. zero and four. But yeah. Realistically, because I think they scratch one out or some figure, way. Yeah, maybe or they another. can get the Seahawks week one. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a, with I'm that not health. I just don't think sure. so. I, with that yeah. health, I just don't think so. 100%. One and three, optimistically, four. Remaining three games to uh, make it a full 17 game schedule for the Colts here. They play the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Buccaneers. Ain't no way in my mind they're beating the Buccaneers. There's, I don't care if the Buccaneers are coming into Lucas Oil or not. Is it is the hardest predicted game on their schedule in all seventeen. So they're not right. getting that in Baltimore in Week Five to put a cap on it. To put a, also put a cap on their three game road trip. They ain't getting that one either. And at home to semi close out the season in Week Seventeen against the Raiders, I give them that one. Yep. So they go one and two in the remaining three games that are not uh, not divisional or not the main uh, non-divisional games. Okay, I will stick right there with you and go one and two. I have a little more confidence in, in than you do in the game against the Bucks for whatever reason. Not saying they're going to get it. I kind of just like that matchup for the Colts for whatever reason, but I'm not going to give it to them. I think the Colts or I think the Bucks offense, our Bucks entire team is just flat out better than the Colts. So. I'm going one and two. I think they do handle the Raiders at home. And, you know, last year they lost to the Ravens. I believe it was 24-10. was not a very good matchup for them. And I think we see something very similar. So give me one and two once again. And uh, a rough, rough, rough start out of the gates for this team. The books are fucking good. The yeah. books are good, dude. So if you're basically with us, eight and nine, <laughs> optimistically, uh -huh. right? That's what we're thinking. Maybe they squeak out one here or there, but eight and nine. Nine and eight. I think I nine, was leaning nine and eight. Nine yeah. and eight, eight and nine, whatever. But that's the problem. It is the problem, huh? Once upon a time ago, the total was set at ten, ah. and it was a little bit more realistic. Uh -huh. And as we'll talk about here in the betting preview in just a few short moments, it is now at eight and a half. Mm -hmm. So, either way, you're a little bit more optimistic with mags, barely, <laughs> barely, or your little. Less optimistic with me, barely. I don't know. Right. And not to we mention. we got a lot to talk about there. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. But not to mention, it's not like it's a minus 120 plus 100. No, no. It's over 8.5 at minus 145. Yeah, yeah. So me being wishy-washy in the 9 and 8, I am absolutely not hammering in any minus no, 145 no. future. No, sir. Uh, all that being said, <laughs> let me put a cap on the entire schedule breakdown. The uh, couple key things here I wanted to wrap up and mention, uh, courtesy of the guys over at Sharp Football Analysis, breaking it down in individual segments for us. Appreciate the hell out of you guys for uh, the some of the key stats and trends that help make these NFL Special Editions successful. I know I shot you guys out all the time, but you are the shit. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Uh, the Colts this year face three opponents that have over a week to prepare for them, but they also face three opponents that have less than a week to prepare for them. So pretty much negated there in that category. The Colts only have two rest disadvantages and four rest advantages. So not bad there. However, they do play one short week road game and two games off of a road Sunday night or Monday night football game. Mm -hmm. 
So pretty brutal in that final category there for the Colts. Not ideal by the schedule makers in regards to that. They do play the Ravens on Monday night football, the 49ers on Sunday night football. So those two big games that we were just talking about a little while ago are in prime time. Mm -hmm. Then they play the Jets on Thursday night football. Yippee, Colts, Jets, only game to bet on on Thursday. Woohoo! thanks, NFL. And then week 16, Christmas against the or against the Cardinals right. in Arizona. Right. So yikes, 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 Colts, especially with the injuries, especially with everything going on. It just man oh man, it I things are just not stacking up in favor of Indianapolis no. this season. But fingers crossed for the boys. Would love to see Frank Reich and those fellows over there about 70 miles yonder, 100, no, not 70 miles, like 300 miles yonder. Maybe I don't know. Either way, best of luck over there is what I'm trying to say. I fucking hope we didn't go to school for geography. We didn't go to school for geography. Hey, look at that land. I threw that and it landed All just right. like that. All right. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep the train that is today's show steaming on down the tracks with the third segment of the day. We're a daily sports gambling show, so it's time. For the full betting preview. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we'll dive deep into the weekly lines. But before we do, let's take a gander at how these Colts did in 2020. Come on with me as I inform you. Now, in 2020, they were favored by an average of four points. And in 2021, they're favored by an average of 2.4 points. Now, that number was published when Carson Wentz was healthy. Ah. So they could potentially be closer huh. to a pick'em or even a point, point and a half dog. Not too certain, but something to think about there. They are favored in 12 games, dogs in four, and a pick'em against the Bucks in week 12. Now again, all of those numbers could have moved by this point, especially with the Carson Wentz injury news. Now he probably should be back by week 12 against the Bucks, and that interests me pretty heavily and we'll talk about that too that that game is a pick'em now it is played in lucas oil stadium but still against the bucks and a pick'em with how the colts have played i don't know but as for 2020 the colts were eight seven and one ats with an 11 and five straight up record eight four and one as a favorite and zero and three ats as an underdog they were three and four ats in lucas oil Three and three ATS as a home favorite and 0 and 1 as a home dog. On the road, they were a lot better, which is really surprising because Lucas Oil gets ruckus. Actually, never mind. There were no fucking fans last year, right. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> they should have been just as good as ho at home as they were on the road, but they weren't. They were 5 and 3 ATS on the road. 5 and 1 ATS as a road favorite Oof. and 0 and 2 ATS as a road dog. So overall, did excellent on the road. I think we are going to see some regression back to the mean on that because we are going to have full NFL stadiums for all 32 teams this season. We're fucking back. We're fucking back. I just had to do that. I, I, I cannot wait. We are officially 24 days away, ladies and gentlemen, officially 24 days away. But moving on into some key over-under numbers for these Colts from 2020. Yes, 2020, not 2021. From 2020, over-under, had an average line of 48. They come in this year's ticked up a little bit to 49.3, but 
Once again, that was with Carson Wentz full, healthy, ready to go. Probably has came down a little bit. They were 9-7 and seven over under last year in total in their games. They were 5-3 and three to the under at home, 6-2 and two to the over on the road. 8-7 to the over as a favorite and 2-0 and oh to the over as a dog. Those favorite and underdog splits also do include playoff games, just so you're aware, but wanted to give a little bit of extra backing there as well. So it looks to me like uh, the Colts will be an over team this year. I see them being a lot of shootouts with this schedule with the teams that they're playing. I think that um, they will probably be... 60 even maybe close to 70 percent to the over this year is my hot take early prediction i just see them being in a lot of shootouts okay but then again we gotta have a full healthy offense and we gotta have everything clicking like it is and we gotta have 2017 reich and wins together that's what we gotta see here in 2021 last but certainly not least UTs, ITs, we all tease for teasers. Everybody loves to tease a couple of games, a couple of spreads on a Sunday morning just to get a little extra juice. Colts worth a look. In six, seven, and ten point teasers respectively in 2020, they held a 12 and 4, 12 and 4, and 13 and 3 record overall in each of those categories. So definitely worth an ad. Uh, much unlike the Texans from Friday, you don't have to avoid these boys. No, sir. If you want. Uh, Maybe one of those extra ones, you're doing a little 10-point 10, 10 teaser, you get some of the lower odds, you need a few extra legs, Colts are definitely worth an add on there. I'll definitely be keying in on them this season for those teases. So that all being said, there's some key trends, stats, over-under ATS, teasers, everything from 2020. Let's talk 2021. First things first, just like I did for the schedule, I'll go back through the weekly lines and then we'll pull out anything that kind of sticks out in our minds, kind of has any type of early value, give you our way too early week one pick, and then we'll dive deep into some of the additional side play season totals, all that jazz. Mm -hmm. First things first, what are these Colts coming in as? All right, week one, they come in as three-point favorites to Seattle and then as one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Rams. Now, I am guessing that both of those numbers have flipperoonied. They sure have. I was checking on it. It is plus two-and-a-half against Seattle, plus three against the Rams. Yeah, so both of those games, in my mind, uh, right off the bat, I don't know if I'm going to be back in the course in those games, especially with the health issues. Uh, Week three, again, you're going to have to uh, maybe kind of use your best judgment. I do believe some of these lines are going to tick down, but this is just courtesy of the guys over at uh, SFA at the time of publication. Um, They come in as one and a half point favorites to Miami and then four point dogs on the road in Baltimore. They are favored by 11 and a half points against the Texans in week six, come in as four and a half point dogs in week seven against the 49ers. Week eight and nine, they are favored, favored by three and a half points against Tennessee and eight and a half against the Jets. Come in favored as seven and a half point favorites against the Jags in week 10. Then week 11, 12, and 13. Man, this seems like a stretch and a half. 11, they come in as six-point dogs on the road in Buffalo. 12, I told you, was a pick against the Buccaneers. 13, seven-point favorites on the road in Houston. So getting Texas or Houston getting a little bit more love from the books at home, but not much. Only uh, four points there, so nothing to write home about. Four and a half. Uh, then you got the Patriots in week 15 after their bye week in week 14 as five-and-a-half-point favorites. Very interesting there. I would actually put the Patriots in the favorite category there. I think they have a little bit more of a dominant defense, but 
The jury's still out on that from what we saw in 2020. Week 17, they're favored by six points against the Rams and then close out the season as three-point favorites against the Jags in Jacksonville. Now, once again, lines probably moved a little bit. Uh, things have kind of probably fluctuated, especially when that Carson Wentz came, news came out. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that a lot of people hammered bets in relation to fading him or whatever the case might be. So... Him dealing with yet another injury, man, oh man, I think about that aspect too. You said it earlier on in the show, and not in relation to him, but does he become one of those injury-riddled guys mm -hmm. for the rest of his career? And, you know, secretly, and I don't even want to say this, but he played at NDSU when we went to ISU right. and he kicked our ass right. in, in the championship. So, yeah, a little part of me burning down inside <laughs> of me, you know, but I'm, a not, better. But I'm not I'm not saying it at all from, from that respect. Obviously, he's a hell of a ball player. He did what he, he had to do, and he, and he has in the NFL. I'm just worried that he's not going to be able to keep this healthy. I don't know if this foot is the same leg as the ACL, but mm -hmm. even if it's not, now you got two bum sides. I fuck favoring one favoring the other it just it's scary for me for Wentz and I'm sure it's scary for him and yeah. I, and you know something popped into my head the other day kind of funny you know at some point in time when Wentz got hurt Quiddy Pay got hurt on the same day that he had his surgery so at some point in time it's Quentin Nelson or Quentin Nelson I'm sorry yeah, yeah. or it was Quiddy it was Quentin Nelson it was Quentin Nelson mm -hmm. so when did Quiddy Pay get hurt I think he's just banged up right now I think he's okay no, he Quiddy Pay got hurt as well. Okay, well, Quentin Nelson's one that was out five to twelve weeks the next okay. day that Wentz did. Okay, well, obviously, uh, either way, same thing. Uh, Wentz woke up out of anesthesia, and right. they were like, "Hey, <laughs> right. everything's all good, but we got some bad news. There's an, there's an injury." And he's like, "No, no, guys, I, I just got the surgery. I'm right. good." Like, no, you one of your offensive linemen just right. had the exact same injury. I mean, just absolute shot to the chest for mm -hmm. this guy. I who knows. Who knows what we see in his return. I don't know how fast he gets up to speed. Obviously, he's going to have to be a bookworm, not being able to be on the field and get up to game tempo. He's going to have to be watching a shitload of field, uh, film for these guys. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, what overall uh, is going to be coming down. But for the time being, in my mind, I would stay away from the Colts on some of these on some of these spreads in the early season, I wouldn't necessarily say fade them, take the opposite side, but overall, partner, what are you thinking here, man? I, I don't know. It's just a lot of question marks for them to cover these some of these big spreads, and with them being tight, ah, that too. Yeah, I'm actually interested in a couple of these opening weeks, the first two weeks, Seattle and Rams. I'm t interested in fading them. For the fact that there is a very good chance that Carson Wentz ain't going to be around for those first two weeks. And as we get closer to the season, if that news comes out and he's not going to play those games, those lines are going to be shooting up towards a touchdown spreads as opposed to field goal spreads. So I might be interested in taking these first two weeks on the opposite side a little earlier than, uh, you know, closer to the season. And with the same caveat that even if Wentz does come back, I'm still you know, feeling pretty decent that the Rams and Seahawks can take care of business. The other two, you know, if they are favored by at least a touchdown against the Jags, I'd be interested in taking the Jags uh, plus seven or more because I think those games could be close. The Jags actually got them week one last year, even I believe it was Minshew in town. Um, so I'd be interested in that one. Aside from that, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a question mark to start this season. So I'm honestly not too sure what we see here. 
All right. Well, then I'll put you on the spot in that regard. Way too early week one pick. Obviously now two and a half point dogs at home against Seattle. What are you feeling? Are you hammering them in? Or are you taking the Seahawks to come in and take care of business? Yeah, like I said, I'll be taking the Seahawks and I might be taking them, uh, you know, today, honestly, because, you know, come next week, if it's like uh, Wentz is on the uh, looking like it might be more so that end of that time spectrum. Within 10 minutes, that line is going to shoot up towards a touchdown spread. Whether it's Eason, whether it's Ellinger, it doesn't matter. Uh, that Seahawks team should be able to handle the, either of those two guys. So I'm going to be hammering in the Seahawks sooner rather than later, my friend. I would agree with you there. I do think that total jumps up. I do not think that Wentz will be back. I don't think Nelson will be back. And uh, I think that this health is going to be the big factor for this team early. And I think they, uh, as I've already said, have a very solid shot at going 0-5 to start the season. Yeah, I, I don't know Hate if I it. want to predict that, but I am kind of predicting that, at least 1-4. and four. And not to mention, I feel like both of those guys, to feel optimistic, you have to be optimistic that both of those guys come back because, A, if Nelson comes back and Wentz doesn't, then you're, you know, you obviously have a big hole at quarterback. If Wentz comes back and Nelson doesn't come back yet, I'm not even sure that I'd be feel comfortable putting Wentz back into the offensive, uh, you know, at quarterback without that big man at left guard holding things down. So I think they struggle out of the gates mightily and then are kind of scrapping to beat some of these bad teams. And they might be able to do that, but it might be too big of a hole to dive out of. Sure enough. Now into the full season win total we already talked about it eight and a half set at right now it's obviously ticked down from what it was set at 10 uh when uh, Carson Wentz was full and healthy me personally I only see him getting eight wins if they start uh 0-5 it is not going to help their case at all if they start 0-5 then in my mind from there they have the opportunity to get three wins in their next five games and then four wins in their next at next seven so that could only be seven wins in my book with it being at plus 125 with the question marks entering the season give me the under eight and a half i'm locking it in 150 percent right now ah you know i i'm like siding towards that under because there's just more value as far as plus money because like i said ain't no chance if i'm wishy-washy about an over eight and a half that i'm gonna hammer it in at minus 145 so with that being said, I think I just have to stay with, away from this one altogether. But gun to my head, I got him at nine wins. Uh, seems a little too easy for, you know, betting on plus 125. But at the same time, Carson Wentz, even if he does play, it could be really bad. So I guess I would say the value is on the under. But I guess in my own personal opinion would be to stay away altogether. I would definitely stay away from this one, too, as much of a lean as it is. Because yeah. Carson can come back in and ball out, and they could rifle off more than enough to get that over that 8.5, even if they do go over 5 or 0 for 5 to start the year. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're leaning. No alternate totals okay. listed as of yet. So obviously the books have no idea as much right. as we have no idea. So I think that uh, either way, you should probably run in the opposite direction of this total for the time being. Now... Can the Colts repeat their performance last year? Are they going to be able to make it to the playoffs once again? I think that they have the possibility to most definitely, but per the books, it's a toss-up and a half right now. Yes is at minus 110, and no is at minus 110. Obviously not an immense amount of value either way. It's going to be, excuse me, it's going to be pretty sweaty, especially with how the early season shakes out. 
I would say yes if I were going to take a bet on either side, but obviously not immense amount of value with both of them being priced at minus 110 right now. Partner, where are you at? Yeah, once again, I if I were to hammer a bet on this team as far as being optimistic about them, it would be this over the over instead of the over eight and a half. But you know, this team, even last year, they were two and four against teams that ended up being playoff teams. And as we mentioned, there's a lot of playoff teams on this roster or on the schedule, and that doesn't even include at Miami and at home against the the Patriots at Arizona. So I'm siding towards no, and I actually might hammer that one in. I like that a little bit, little bit more than I like under eight and a half because I think nine wins could leave them on the outside looking in where I kind of had them uh, slotted as far as my win prediction. So I'm going no. I'll go no at minus 110. All right. Well, there you go. The Colts do not repeat per our mags. Now, in my mind, um, I think that they have the possibility, man, See, because now you got me guessing. Because then you you said at the beginning, now or never in the AFC South. It's got to be now or never. They got to get the job done. But then they missed the playoffs. Uh, shit. So here's what it comes down to. Division, conference, Super Bowl, odds, bets, any value. Well, let's start minuscule at the division. Okay. AFC South. They're right now, they're second place. Let's start with that. They're mm-hmm. second place at plus 140. Correct. They are behind the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Any team that is favorite money, minus money rather, on a future bet, I have zero interest in, and it is way too easy by my standards and what I've seen in the past. So that being said... The Colts are the only other team in my mind that have an opportunity to win the AFC South. And if they win the AFC South, then I think they make it to the playoffs. I think that they definitely make it to the playoffs. But then again, they're going to have to win more than eight games to make it to the playoffs. And I don't think they win them more than eight games. So I have no idea. And they're probably going to have to win more than eight games to win the AFC South. Mm -hmm. So I don't effing know. I don't know if there's any value in the AFC South. I think that you might just have to be a fan when it comes to this this year because they might fluctuate flip go all over the place and who knows the jags might come out of nowhere and win the afc south surprise everybody who the hell knows what are you thinking i don't know if i kind of like where you're saying i mean as far as my you know safety putting my money down i would feel more comfortable minus 110 on making the playoffs in general but as you said i'm also not really trying to sweat out a anything that's not plus money as far as a future for you know four or five months so i think it's just to stay away i i like that tennessee team enough i the titans could even sweep the colts and it's not even a close race in this division but uh you know i think it'll be a little closer but no thanks i'm staying away i'm just staying away altogether my friend I would say in general, I'd stay away too, because I I went, I gave arguments for both sides of my argument in one argument. So (laughs) how, why would I even stay away? That is a stay away and a half. Um, Obviously with all that being said, then the AFC really doesn't have a ton of value. They're in eighth place right now, uh, 17 to one odds. And then if you are a diehard fan, just so you know, Super Bowl 56, win that bad boy for the Colts, 13th at 30 to 1 odds right now. So not out of it by any contention, but they're going to have to do some stuff. It just it keeps coming back to the to the beginning of the season for me. That's just where it all keeps coming back right. to. They're going to have to take care of business earlier. It is going to be tough sledding for the rest of the season for right. them. So We'll see what they do if they can make it to the postseason, if not. But as of right now, none of those have any value. But 
Us being good degenerates, we always like to find some additional value, though. We need to have a little bit of stuff we can sweat out, see if anything has some some potential hammering in ability for, or before, rather, the start of the NFL season. Well, it just so happens there is. We found five that may or may not have just a little bit of value. First things first, defensive rookie of the year, Quiddy Pay at plus 900. I do believe he is still uh, second overall. You guys know if you've been paying attention to the pod or if you've been paying attention to my blogs, no, sir. I'm not touching this one with a 10 foot pole. I'm taking Jeremiah Usu Kormoa, number 28. As a matter of fact, my number in all of my athletic career, so made it even more mm-hmm. destiny for me to hammer him in. Jeremiah Usu Kormoa is going to be the defensive rookie of the year in my mind, so I'll be avoiding Quiddy Pay, but uh, partner, obviously you put it on there for a reason. You feeling anything about Quiddy Pay? No, I, I mainly put it on there just to say I don't think it has a ton of value. He is sticking around that top three um, top three odds, but as far as this award, I, I feel like it's more, and I like what you're saying. I, if I had to pick one, I would take JOK as well, but uh, I feel like this award... <laughs> it's starting to J-O-K. stick. I like it, man. It's starting like to it. stick. But, uh, you know, it just seems like you're kind of there's nobody that really stands out and you know you picked out jok because you know he's got a ton of athleticism athleticism uh you know i think he should have a lot of impact in that lineup and you know i think quitty pay will have a solid season but you know i think there's just too many question marks as far as who in this defensive rookie category in the entire league is going to stand out right away Quiddy Pay has a chance, but I think it might be towards the back half of the season that we really start to see him shine. So I think it'll be too late. So I'm staying away. I would agree with you on uh, those final statements you made there. I think it'll just be a little bit too late for uh, Pay to find himself in the running. Defensive player of the year, though, big name, signed the contract. Darius Leonard, Mm -hmm. 45 to 1 odds, though. Um, Also, you know where my mind's at. I'm still siding with Chase Young. Right. A little bit of movement on that front, and uh, it's in our favor. So I still am hammering in Chase Young as defensive player of the year. I think a lot of people uh, will potentially be looking at Darius. Maybe a little sprinkle at that 4,500. The more I think about it, he does have potential, but I just don't think he's going to put up the numbers you need to be able to uh, have an NFL honor award under your name. Right. And I, you know, I had Chase Young in my head, and then you wrote about it, and it really just pushed me off over the deep end. I am right there with you on Chase Young. So Darius Leonard, as far as who makes the biggest impact on the defensive side of the ball, he should be in that conversation year in and year out. But this award is pretty largely driven by stats, physical numbers is often sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions, and, you know, he just doesn't compile that type of stat sheet that you see. Sure. And that's why, you know, it's kind of relied on everyone just really talking him up, guys around the league talking him up to build his name up like this. So, you know, I think it's priced pretty adequately. It might entice a few people, but he really just doesn't put up the numbers to win this type of award. Agreed. Once again, uh, one I tossed on here might be worth a look, depending on how much of a breakout he has here in year two and how much of his receiving work gets hawked by the rest of these backs. But Jonathan Taylor to win Offensive Player of the Year, 25 to 1 odds right now. Uh, I'm not sure if it moved at all from uh, yesterday's game, but I do know that 25 to 1 odds is pretty damn good. What I also do know is that another running back I told you about, because of Warren Sharp putting it deep into my cranium and me not being able to get it out and I needed to do more research and then write a blog about him, Javante Williams 
has now moved up a few spots in the old offensive or he's offensive rookie of the year. I apologize. But uh, that, that was another something I wanted to mention to you guys before I forgot. Javante Williams has uh, made, he did. A, I made, saw that. made a little bit of a movement there. So we'll see, see what happens. But uh, I definitely have put a little bit of sprinkle on that already. So I suggest you do too, before those get any worse. As far as Jonathan Taylor goes, partner, you thinking that twenty-five to one has any value, or it might be a receiver this year? Uh, maybe, maybe my long shot, Calvin Ridley, getting Offensive Player of the Year. Ah, that's interesting. I, I'll stay away. I really like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to have another, even better season than he had last year. Just too many guys in this running back room that might vulture some of those top line. You know, really some of those numbers that are going to put Jonathan Taylor over the edge for this type of award. So, you know, on paper or you know by the eye test, you know we could be talking about Jonathan. Taylor in that light but as far as there's just two there's three other guys that you you know could be one or two in any running back room around the league so for that matter I think he'll get a little vulture action from some of those guys and kind of take uh take him out of the running for this award too many mouths to feed in Indianapolis I would agree with you as well comeback player of the year intriguing for Carson Wentz at 10 to 1 odds right now um Obviously, I told you guys Dak's my favorite. There's a couple mm-hmm. other guys that I would put ahead of Carson. Um, I just don't think he's going to have the comeback season you need to have in order to be comeback player of the year. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on that. I I, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole okay. as far as I'm concerned. I, I kind of agree with you. I think this one of the five that we mentioned has maybe the most value to me because even if he's you know has them in the playoff conversation, if he plays 15-plus games, He's going to be right there in the conversation for this award. But as I've talked about and as we've talked about for you know this award on a handful of the teams that we've talked about, there are so many stars in the running that are going to be in the running for this award. Mm-hmm. CMC, mm-hmm. if he's healthy, I don't see any way that he's not going to put up ridiculous numbers. Same yep. with Saquon. Yep. And uh, same with Dak Prescott. So you know if Dak Prescott is healthy, which obviously is slightly a concern, uh, you know, if both Dak and Carson are healthy, I don't see any way that Carson outperforms him. So I'll stay away. You know, it's funny you said CMC. I'm not sure if it was PFF or who it was, but CMC preseason early rankings comes in as the 44th ranked running back in the league. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. What? Uh, but yeah, obviously that injury looming incredibly okay. large. Uh, okay. Incredibly large, but I highly doubt that. I highly, highly doubt that. Uh, but as far as comeback player of the year goes, avoid Carson Wentz per me and Matt. Yeah, and that doesn't even mention a couple of the other guys, Odell and Von Miller either. So Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, coach of the year, potentially Frank Reich, if uh this early season shakes out pretty nice for the Colts and they can get on a little bit of a hot streak I don't see why not definitely a little bit of a value at 18 to 1 I'm not hammering it in at this point in time I'd have to see some stuff happening before I would give my opinion on coach of the year and I just think there's too many question marks and obviously I can't hammer in a future bet with having to see the season start so (laughs) this one in my mind is just going to be a uh, fuck all avoid it I'm not hammered it in at all I I agree with you I'm staying away I wrote it down because I would say the path for him has been laid out to where if they have a really good season I think it's going to be tough to not give him that reward considering Mm. what they you know the hump that they're trying to get over if they can get over that hump and beat a handful of these really good teams I could see the path but as far as do I think that path is going to play out no I do not so I will be staying away as well 
All right. Well, that does it for uh, some of the key side bets, additional value that we found. Maybe you guys have been having your targets set on and maybe your opinions are a little bit changed now. Maybe you're being a little bit more reserved for some of the things we've told you. Well, there you have it. That is the entire betting preview for the Indianapolis Colts. Talked about all types of nonsense. Quickly, let's wrap things up with the fourth and final segment. Start, stash, or pass. Our best fantasy advice. Let's get with it. Quarterback room, in my opinion. Um, Carson Wentz. I am going to pick him up in a draft. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I think that he's going to fall to like the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 20th round. Right. I think he's going to fall off the bottom of the ocean floor. And I think you're going to need to pick somebody up with him. You're going to have to. But if and only if he is back to 100% when he comes back, I think him and Reich have a shitload of success, and I think they have the pieces in there to do it. Ballard would not have brought him in if Wentz was not going to have a season and if he didn't think there was some potential in him rebounding. Ballard is not the kind of guy that is going to flip a coin on somebody hopefully having a rejuvenation of his career because we put the story back and put the story back in place. We had Rock and old Wentz come down together. We we, we ain't going to see. You know what I'm saying? He ain't that kind of guy. I don't know if I do. He's, he's not that kind of guy. <laughs> He, he is about business, he is about winning football, and he would not have brought Wentz in if this wasn't going to be a big yeah. key contributor. So if he comes back healthy, I think for now Wentz is worth a stash. I wouldn't go out of your way, but if he's hanging around and you already got a quarterback taken care of and you're not freaking out about having to fill a spot, put him on your bench, stash him for, stash him for the time being, and maybe you just get some good value out of him come week 11, 12, 13. Okay. I don't hate what you're saying. I'll let you scoop him up, and I'll pass on him for the time being. I don't hate what you said. I could definitely see that happening. I I just feel like there might be a little more value. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence on this one. I'll be passing, though. Rivers, obviously, you know, if Wentz is healthy and playing, I think the potential for him, you know, having higher numbers than Rivers is. I think the potential is there. Rivers was only the number 20 quarterback last year. Wentz, number 22. I think he should, if he plays the entire season, get into that top 20. But I'll I'll leave him on there and let you take him up. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I know you weren't taking any type of, you know, super confidence in once again. But uh, just talking in relation to Eagles fantasy value and not draft fantasy value across the length of the NFL, um, it's kind of where I would see him falling. If if you are in a good spot, now don't don't go out on a limb and uh, stash him if you do not have another quarterback because you're probably not going to get him for week one. So that is, he is more of a strategy play Mm -hmm. uh, going into the 2021 season. Now, as far as the running back room goes, Jonathan Taylor, in my mind, pretty much solidified himself last year as an RB1. I think he has RB1 production uh, here going into 2021. I will definitely scoop him up. Um, Would take him within the first 15 backs off the board would definitely say so so if he's still sticking around and people are kind of passing on him because they don't think that the Colts offense is going to have any production this running game is still going to have plenty of production so I would take Jonathan Taylor and I think he does plenty in the passing game too to make him a well worthwhile asset in PPR uh Naheem Hines I'll stash no I'll pass on him for now I the rest of these guys in this Indianapolis backfield, then uh, on top of Naheem Hines, they also have uh, Wilkins and then uh, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack coming back. You know, 
they get work here and there, but every time I've tried to put them on a fantasy team, it just ends up being a wasted roster spot because they get one week where they have 15, 16 points, and then you think that they can have a great week and start building upon it, and it just doesn't happen. So I'm going to pass on the rest of this backfield for now. I would put all red flags on the backfield just to see maybe Wilkins breaks out this year. Maybe Marlon Mack has a huge year coming off of the Achilles injury. I don't know what exactly happens. Maybe Naeem Hines even has a huge year too. I don't know exactly what will happen, but I do know that if given the opportunity, I will 100% scoop up and start Jonathan Taylor as my RB1. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. He was number six running back last year. I would even take him within the first round, no question about it. Not even going to think about it. Sure. Like I said earlier, it does concern me that there are three other solid backs in this rotation, but they made it clear last year uh, that Jonathan Taylor is the guy, and he's going to get that work. As far as Naheem Hines, I will also I will stash him. I'm a little higher on him. He was number 15 running back last year. Uh, so for PPR, I do like him because he has value in the passing game, but I do really like what you said there as far as he, they might have two or three straight weeks where they're absolutely startable and then you kind of buy into them and then they you know fall off and go five points or less so definitely uh more of a if needed play for me as far as Hines and it does concern me with Marlon back coming back but with the injury it does sound like Naheem Hines is the clear number two and he's gonna get a lot of passing action and then uh you know I'll I'll red flag Marlon Mack because you know he was really solid a couple of years ago but I'll red flag him and Wilkins all the same but uh yeah I'll take these other two guys no question about it So we're in the same fantasy league, so it bars me saying this because one portion of what I'm about to say is going to be something I need from you. If you see me with any Colts running back other than Jonathan Taylor on my team, you can slap the shit out of me live on this show because I am done drinking the snake oil that is the rest of these Colts running backs from a fantasy perspective. I'm high on them all. I think they're all great football players. I think they are all excellent football players for that fucking matter. But I am tired of one week they go off, I pick them off of, up off of waiver wires, and then they sit on my bench for the next four weeks giving me six points. I'm not drinking the snake okay. oil this year. They're on my team. Set it here first. You can give me a nice love tap right across the face. Well, to bring our dynasty aspect into it, I'm definitely less high on you know the rest of the room. Jonathan Taylor, you might even be higher as far as uh, my running back rankings if we're talking dynasty because he is going to be there for a while. Yeah, so definitely. aside from that, yeah, my Hines is definitely lower on him as far as a dynasty they, value. If he has a huge sophomore season, they might even re-sign him early and not oh, yeah. even not even let him get to year three sure. or year four. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see that from Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor. So once again, in our minds, RB1, Jonathan Taylor, pass on everybody else, put a little red flag just in case anything happens. Wide receiver room. Mm. Um, Their wide receiver one is going to fall into a wide receiver two, wide receiver three category category for me, T.Y. Hilton. I hope he has a breakout year for their sake. I just think at his point in his career now, he's a, like I said earlier, he's a mainly a decoy. He's going to run cornerbacks up and down the field on those streaks and just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I don't know that we see enough fantasy production for him to be a wide receiver one. I think we see wide receiver two production, borderline wide receiver three. Um, So I would target him there. I would also in the upcoming draft where your upcoming draft, whatever, I would also... If you can't get your hands on one or the other, try and get your hands on one or the other as a potential stash on the bench that could have huge flex wide receiver three potential, either Pittman or Campbell. Obviously, me and my partner both are a little bit higher on Pittman. I would say target Pittman. I had him last year, and I wasn't 
I wasn't disappointed. Obviously, he was a little bit below what you would want as a every week flex, but mm-hmm. I think he moves into that category, if not better, this year. So I would also target those guys. And then I've tried him a few years. I've tried in certain Zach Pascal into my lineups, and he just doesn't do enough to get the job done. He has a break play here or there, rips the top off of the defense, and then that's about all he does. So in my mind, start uh, T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Start uh, for the time being if you can get your hands on one or the other. Uh, Actually, more of a stash for me for now. Let me correct that. Stash for now uh, if you can't get your hands on one or the other, either Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell. Mm -hmm. Just see what happens with the quarterback room, kind of what happens the first, fuck, five weeks of right. the season. It could be brutal because they face some damn good secondaries uh, for the first five weeks, too. So temper expectations a little bit early, but definitely where some stashes could break out late. Okay, we're very similar here. I have very similar opinions as far as what T.I. Hilton's production is going to be. I don't have high hopes as far as the actual numbers, so... You know, I'm kind of passing unless I can buy very low on him, which, you know, just by his name, I don't think that's likely. Someone will definitely scoop him up a little too soon. I'm glad you said that. Because the last couple of years, you know, yeah, yeah. he's someone where, shit, I got a bye week or one of my receivers is hurt. I need to scoop somebody off the waivers. Oh, wow. T.Y. Hilton's available? And then you look through and it's like, oh, there's a reason why he's available. And I think we see that once again. If you draft him it's very possible that he's off your roster within a few weeks sure. and you know you want to hold on to him because it's ty hilton and he was one of the once <laughs> once one of the premier guys but i think that day has passed yeah i'm glad you mentioned zach pascal i think the only value that he has if any is if the, either the two other guys that you like are hurt because that's kind of what put him into the into the rotation last year but he was still only the number 56 wide receiver so i'm passing on him altogether Probably going to be another guy, uh, you know, that, like I said, you'd have a wide receiver that's hurt around a bye week and you're desperate to pick up a receiver. He's probably going to be available, and there is a reason for that. And I am very, very right in line with you as far as scooping up either Pittman or Campbell. I think one of these guys breaks out, and I'm leaning on towards Michael Pinion. I said, uh, Pittman, I said it earlier. He played in seventy-eight. He played seventy-eight percent of the snaps last year. They didn't sign any new receivers, and I really do think it's because they have a lot of confidence that this guy's going to break out. And uh, you know, I think he only had one touchdown last year, so I have to believe that that number is going to go up. He's six-four, and he's just on the field way too much to not put up yeah. bigger numbers than that. So he will. I'm stashing him, and like you, I I expect him to have bigger numbers and to be a playable option this year. All right, so pretty accurate to me pretty on accurate, uh, yeah. on the wide receiver room there. Now, as far as the tight ends go, mm-hmm. obviously more pass catchers. I'm going to pass all together this year. I've tried uh, giving Jack Doyle a spin a couple right. times, and he just doesn't give you, you – you just can't consistently start uh, – and, and we know the disparity at the tight end position, but you can't consistently start somebody who's going to always get you single digits. you got to nope. loop in there every once in a while. If you don't get a Kelsey, a Waller, a Kittle, maybe a Hawkinson this year, if you don't get some of those premier guys, uh, you don't want to be goofing around with, with just every consistently single. You need to find – Every once in a while, they're going to give me a 10, 12-point week, right. and I just don't think you're going to get that from Doyle or Ali Cox. Right. They'll show flashes maybe one, two weeks. You'll see, holy shit, they had a 14-point week last week. They're on the waivers. Let me scoop them. But much like T.Y., there's a reason they're sitting there, and nobody's mm-hmm. running to the wire to pick them up. So 
I'm going to pass on both of them for now. Maybe something turns around. You know, uh, Carson Wentz does love tight ends, so quite possibly that one of these guys does break out. But for the time being, I'm going to skip any red flags, skip any draft spots, let them uh, fall on over to the waiver. Yeah, 100% right there with you. I think the only value on either of these guys is if one of the other gets hurt a little bit here because both these guys, they just split time way too closely here. Allie Cox had a 5.4 fantasy average. Doyle, 4.6. Neither are big red zone targets. I think they combined for five touchdowns between the two of them so like i said you know if one of them's getting you know 75 plus percent of the snaps because the other one's gone then you know i might be interested in it i still don't love it but overall they're very close to 50 50 as far as snap counts so you can't even if you're trying to pick one of the two you're kind of throwing a shot in the dark as to who is going to be the guy if at all so give me a complete pass on these guys totally once again, in complete agreement on that front. Now, as far as the kickers go, um, you know, they brought in Eddie P yesterday, ah. but they still have Hot Rod, kicker out of Georgia. Uh, was pretty damn good last year, and, you know, I think that Hot Rod is worth a roster spot. I think we see improvements from him. He might damn well finish as one of the top five kickers in fantasy this year. So I think he's going to be good. And oh, may I remind you, yesterday, the Indianapolis Colts played the Carolina Panthers. And I so happen to mention when we talked about the Panthers a few days back that Joey Sly was a guaranteed hammer fucking lock. Put him on your fantasy team now, yesterday, last week, get him on there. He had all 12 points for the Carolina Panthers at halftime yesterday. So, hey, looking again like my boy Joey Sly is going to be a dog, but we ain't talking about him. (laughs) We're talking about Hot Rod. I'm just always trying to give value here. I'm just trying to give value. Here's what the fuck I do. Just keep up, stay up. That's all you got to worry about. Is that Joey Sly blog coming soon? It very well might be, (laughs) pal. Don't tempt me. Either way, Hot Rod, definitely think worth an ad. Uh, If you're still in need of a kicker, he's hanging around. Scoop him up. Eddie Peep. A good kicker uh, coming in for now his fourth season or it will be his fifth season now. Um, so I don't know. I, I would say avoid Eddie P, but uh, if you need a kicker, I would say pick up Hot Rod. I just think they brought in Eddie P to give a little bit of competition yeah. and uh, improve Mr. Rodrigo's kicking ability. Yeah, I can't add too much to that. I, I'm interested in blanket chip, but uh, yeah, I can't add too much to it. All right, last but certainly not least, the defensive side of the ball. I think that this defense finishes well within the top 10 in fantasy points. Uh, I think it's going to be rough sledding at the beginning. Uh, I think they'll have some lower point totals, and then I think that they'll return to eights minimum and then up into the 12s, 13s, 14s. We might even see a 2025 from these guys every once in a while if they can do something crazy on special teams as well. But nonetheless... I would definitely say if there's no defenses hanging around, you're still needing to fill that spot. Definitely worthwhile of a roster spot are the Indianapolis Colts defense special team this season. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. If I do have them, I feel like I would definitely at least either. I'm not upset about it. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to couple them with somebody else because like you said, there's so many games on here that it's not going to be really playable. Sure. Another concern is that they have the bye week 14. That's right around playoff time. It's not really too usable for fantasy playoffs and potentially even week 16 being a potential championship week. They get the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. So do I want them on my roster? Sure. Am I banking on them to, you know, be a defense that's going to change my week, week in and week out? No. So I'll definitely at least need somebody else with them. I actually like where you took that. Cause that, 
brought me a little bit more over to your side. Yeah, because I that, mean, that I love the defense, and I think they have some weeks that are great. It's but. a great defense, but you have more than enough problems over the course of a fantasy football season that right. the last thing you need to be worrying about during playoff time is replacing your right. defense. And during that time, there are generally no DSTs Correct. available. So Correct. maybe avoid the, the old Colts a little bit more just because the early season might be tough. And then by the time you can get any value out of them, it's going to be playoffs. Yeah, I so, honestly think as far as rankings are concerned, they might be more of a middle-of-the-pack fantasy defense. That doesn't sure. reflect what we think about them as a whole as a defense. But, you know, as far as it just there's a lot more variables that uh, are going into it this year, it appears. Sure. I 100% agree. So there you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Start, stash, or pass our best fantasy advice for every offensive and the defense positional grouping here for the Indianapolis Colts in 2021. That officially does it, does it. Holy cow, right on time, right at 11.30. There you go. There you have it. The entire season preview, my friends, for the Indianapolis Colts. As we always like to say, they won't need as much luck as Friday's team. Correct. But to Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, and Matt Eberflus, best of luck, T's and P's to your season, and we wish you all the best. Godspeed. All right, my friend, let's keep it moving right along. Before uh, we get this show wrapped up completely, send these kind folks on about their day. Anything burning on the brain, melting on the heart, festering on the soul that you have been dying to get out to the kind folks that joined us on episode number 103 of the TTL pod on this beautiful August 16th, 2021. So, you know, I uh, I took a few shots at a handful of teams over the course of these season previews. No. And people said, hey, what the hell? That was so unnecessary, man. You know, I did it to the Texans, Lions, Bears. Not going to do that today. I'm going to flip it on myself. Oh. Laugh at myself for once oh. to take the uh, laughs out of everyone else's mouth. Because there also wasn't that much else that I could find. But most lopsided win in Colts franchise history is 56 nothing over my pack in the year of 1958 also the team's first ever shutout so uh you know wow. interesting stat there but uh you know it was always always darkest before the dawn that was right before the Vince Lombardi era so you know I'm laughing at myself while also giving a chance to say that the you know that Grass is next day on the yeah, other yeah, side exactly. all that stuff all right. yeah hey hey I like I like that you're man right. enough to admit it though because I do believe that was right before Vince came in they were the worst team in the league he came in in 59 and then got him to be like a, you know, middle of the pack 500 team. And then after that, it was all systems go. So always this, darkest before the dawn. This guy in Lombardi on a first name sure. basis over here. For, for sure. He's like, oh, Vince, just come on in. Yeah, it was Vince. But uh, <laughs> that's it for the Colts. I had another random NFL fact. Lay it on, me. on this day uh, in 1964. 65 the year after AFL. my mother was born okay uh the afl expanded to nine teams not the the nfl so it was before the merger afl nfl nfl had already had 15 teams but the afl expanded to nine with the dolphins on this day in 1965 the fins come into existence but i don't think August they i don't 16th. think they played for like a year but that was like mm -hmm. the, the were they the dolphins still or mm -hmm. like okay yeah. They were born as the Dolphins. They were boned as the Dolphins. All right. Well, there you go. This day, 1965, the Miami Dolphins come into the AFC. AFL at the AFL time. AFL at the time. Wanted to make sure I said that correct. Why a little bit of a delay there? But you heard it here first. Now you know, per our mags, NFL's ninth expansion team in the AFL, the Miami Dolphins, were born today, August 16th in the year 1965.
We're in 2021 now. Welcome back to the present. Ah, we were just in a trip. the past. Thanks for taking a trip with us. And thank you, as always, for your sidebar mm -hmm. partner. I've come to really enjoy those and uh, can't wait till we get back into the regular uh, daily shows so uh, we can get back into your funny nonsense. And well, your not wildness. only that, but there's going to be some legit uh, actual just, important stuff on this day. That is true. Once we get into the NFL season. So. That is very true. So we'll get uh, really close to that. Uh, I mean, we are getting really close to that. 24 close to that, yeah. days away. Right around the doggone corner. So, um, outside of that, uh, haven't announced it yet, but uh, Colts Agenda Stack giveaway, uh, there was just an overwhelming response to uh, the giveaway. So, we're going to be um, tallying up uh, everybody, checking out the guesses, and then uh, going to go through the stack. Don't have it on today's show because it closed on Friday, so you can't put any more guesses in. You missed the boat. Told you on Wednesday repeatedly. Showed you six times last week before I closed the giveaway. So if you didn't get it in, sucks to suck. We'll let you know live first thing on tomorrow's show. Just didn't have an opportunity to get everything counted and get everything done with some stuff we had going on Friday. Outside of that, make sure you uh, visit the link tree in the description. So uh, you can go to talkingtheline.com. Check out all of our additional content there, our best bets, featured content, all that good stuff we have in one central location on our website. Who would have thought? We also have all of our social platforms and additional, additional content within that entire link tree one central easy location put it all in there for you make sure you visit there make sure you follow us on twitter at the bare minimum if you don't follow us anywhere we're also expanding into new social platforms but at the bare minimum follow us there uh it's where we have the largest following where we uh, produce the most uh social content kind of daily uh everything sports sports gambling wise on that spectrum outside of that we're still cashing tickets here, there, and everywhere, mainly MLB right now. Uh, your boy played a little bit of preseason, even though I've been freaking talking down on it like crazy. <laughs> the, swip, uh, the flip switched, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I wanted to try a little bit of try a little bit of stuff, get the feet wet, see a little line movement, see a little bit of steam, you know, see what's happening. And boy, does it feel good to be back and does, uh, flex flex the old line reading muscles. Yeah. Uh, went through three and two. Barely missed the under. Uh, the under was a little bit of a stretch yesterday with it down being down 33. Uh, but just it was on a wagon. It was 14 and two at that point uh, in the preseason. So wanted to keep playing it. Obviously got the one loss. No big deal. Right. Three, three and two right. uh, was three and one to start off my NFL. Uh, so, hey, not bad. I'm going to keep doing that. I'll probably keep playing totals. Um, that seems to be the most beneficial for me right now, as yeah. far as what I can tell from line movement and the key numbers really 37, 36 and a half is what I'm starting to realize. And I'll, I'll put some stuff out about that, but I think I'm going to stick to totals as far as the preseason goes. As soon as I say that, you know, me, watch me dive into some spreads. So <laughs> yeah. who knows what'll happen, but, um, all that encompassing uh -huh. being said, you need our best bets. You want to bet along with us. You want the value that we're finding. Uh, you can follow all of our plays on the Action Network app. Me, I'm at, at cash underscore with underscore Colt. Riley is at RMAGS in all caps. You can follow the Talking Line best bets at Talking the Line. I know, super hard to remember. Uh, we also have another platform as far as tracking uh, that we're working on uh, rolling out here really soon or rolling out in conjunction with. It is another app, another company that we have built a relationship with. And we cannot wait to uh, roll this out to you guys. Um, just kind of here at the end of the MLB season, didn't want to dive 
too deep into it uh, kind of before we segue right into the NFL. Wanted to make sure we had everything prepped, primed, looking good, ready to rock and roll as soon as we dive into the NFL season on this platform. So stay tuned for that update too. You are not going to want to miss that. Not only are you going to get our best bets, but you'll be able to connect with us in an entirely new way. So can't wait to bring that to you. And then of course, you can uh, go to our website, talkingtheline.com, see all of our best bets and a live lines and odds table. So you can bet right from our page on your favorite sports book. You don't even have to go anywhere. Make it super easy for you. Outside of that, that is really all the uh, updates and reminders. So let me put a cherry on top of the Sunday. That is the Talking the Line podcast with my motivation minutes. Short and sweet for you here today, my friends. And I don't know who needed to hear this. I don't know where you're at in your life and why you need to hear this. But I woke up this morning and this was one of the first things on my heart, my brain, and it was actually on my brain throughout the course of this weekend. So it almost seemed right that I needed to bring it to Monday's minutes. So with that being said, if you haven't read the description yet, if you weren't here for the beginning of the show, message today is on making today the day that you decide to pull the trigger. And if you're not familiar with the statement, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but today is the day that you go get it. Today is the day that you make the choice to stop pussyfooting around and be the alpha that you are and go get your dreams and goals. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your life. Stop wishy-washy living in the what-ifs, maybes, buts. Live in the absolutes. The right here and the now, the you're going to go tackle it, you're going to go get it. Because guess what? If you don't choose to have this mindset, you choose to stay tentative, to let somebody else maybe give you some advice, maybe give you their thoughts about what you should do with your life, maybe stay tentative and say, ah, what if I did it and it didn't work? Ah, but I'll never be good at this, but I don't know how to do this, so I can't really do the full thing, so I shouldn't. Ah, what if, coulda, shoulda, woulda. All of that leads to nothing. What really leads to something is pulling the trigger But the thing is, is that nobody can do it for you. And one of the first things I just mentioned was getting others' opinions and thoughts and all that stuff. And I'm sorry, and you may not like it, but when it comes to your life and big, ground-moving, earth-shattering, you have to make this decision to change the course of your life forever. And you best believe I'm speaking from experience. G4 classification here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care who they are. Tell them to pound sand. Their opinions do not matter in those moments. You are the only one that can pull the trigger. Nobody else can do it for you. Now, you may be thinking, but it's nice to have those opinions, to have those shoulders to lean on. Yes, yes, it is. It's great. But that's all they're there for. They are not there to tell you how you need to pull the trigger. Because if you lean on somebody else's opinion on how to pull the trigger in your life, You could do it completely wrong and be in an even worse position than if you had not decided to pull the trigger on your own. 
So today's the day to make up your mind, my friends. To sit back and say, do I want to live in what if and if only for the rest of my life? Or am I ready to start living and pull the trigger and start getting everything that I want that I put my mind to? Well, I'll tell you how I live, and that's pulling the trigger any opportunity that I get. I used to be a little tentative in it. I used to think that I was gung-ho and pulling the trigger, and then I came upon a very serious crossroads in my life and realized that it is really hard to pull the trigger, that there are plenty of things that you can find as to reasons as to why you shouldn't take the jump, you shouldn't take the leap of faith. You can find those the day is long. But there's one thing that's the hardest to do. And that's just pulling the trigger. So today, my friends, not for me, for you. This is your day. This is your moment. Whatever you've been putting off, whatever you've been what if in and if only in about, whatever you've been hesitating on, big or small, pull the trigger on that today. Go get that today. Go chase that today. Make that dream and passion your reality today. Don't let anybody stand in your way. Don't let anybody tell you how you should pull the trigger in your life. You are the only one that has the ability to do so. So, to put a cap on it for today, my friends, pull the trigger. Nobody's going to do it for you. And that does it my motivation minutes of the day always good stuff my man i don't know how much else i can add but uh yeah as you mentioned it it all comes down to the hardest part probably just being actually pulling that damn trigger and uh, until you do you're always gonna have questions and uh, they ain't gonna be answered until you pull the trigger yeah and i don't know who needed to hear it you know sometimes uh like i said sometimes these just get burned on the old brain and uh Festering in the old heart, as I always like to say to you, and I, I can't deny him. I got to bring him to the motivation minutes. Right. So I'm making the commitment to do so with whatever comes up in my path. I hope you do too. Pull the trigger. Nobody else can do it for you. That officially does it for my motivation minutes. All right, my friends, right at 11.43, uh, pretty much has become consistent, right around 11.45, 11.30. Try and keep it at an hour and a half, but once we get into the banter and the minutes, gets about an hour and 45. Sure. So that officially does it. Episode 103 of the Talk in the Line podcast, NFL Special Edition number 14, the Indianapolis Colts is a wrap. Paper or plastic, whichever you prefer, it's a done deal. That all being said, let's send you folks out of here the only way we know how. Ladies and gentlemen, degenerates, gamblers, Indianapolis Colts fans, fans of the NFL Shield, fantasy football players, NFL betters, everybody in between. Far and wide from myself and Mags. Once again, thank you so much for stopping by the Talking the Line podcast. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate you sharing your hard-earned time with us and giving us all your support and following from the bottom of our hearts thank you thank you thank you we hope you have a spectacular rest of your monday unless you have other plans be sure to check out our best bets of the day talkingtheline.com and the action app more ways soon to come that way you can start saying with us let's cash 
some tickets.